had a very non-traditional undergraduate experience. I I am a hard tradesperson worker by personality, and my parents really had to encourage me to continue in academia. You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to The Ride, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by Horse and Rider Magazine, co-hosted by Nicole Cherico and Devin Conley. In each episode, we chat with some of the industry's top trainers, clinicians, horsekeeping experts, and professionals to share inspiring stories, training philosophies, and the importance of living your best Western horse life. On this episode of The Ride Podcast, we sit down and talk with Alex Parse. Alex is an accomplished horsewoman, trainer, and coach, and she also runs the Legends of Ranching program at Colorado State University. Today, Alex will talk about her journey into the Western world, as well as the Legends of Ranching program and the great impact that it has on the university and the surrounding community. This episode of The Ride is brought to you by Purina. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Ride Podcast. I'm Devin, and today I'm here with Alex Parse. Alex is a horse trainer. She's the Colt starting instructor for the CSU Legends of Ranching program. Her and her husband own and operate a large animal vet practice, and she does all of this while balancing a family and her own personal horse goals. We're super excited that you're here today, Alex. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? Absolutely. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Of course. So we'll just dive in, and I'm just going to have you kind of introduce yourself to our audience, um, some background on you, your origin story with horses. Did you grow up in the industry? Is it something you came to later in life? Just kind of give us the the rundown on Alex. Well, my life story, like anyone's, is quite extensive, so I will try to hit the most um, fun parts of those. I uh, was born in... Um, Hawaii on the island of Oahu, and um, the first two years of my life were were spent there. And my father was an active active man, and he would frequently take me um, in the running cart uh, to practice for his triathlons. And uh, we would pass a few horse ranches, boarding facilities slash um, training facilities, and pretty soon. When he would start taking different routes, I would complain. And he noticed that whenever he went the route where the horses were, I could last longer in the cart. You trained him. <laughs> I did. I did. And and we would stop and I would I would get to pet the horses and the young women that were taking lessons there or boarding there took me in and, and would put me on the back of a horse and let me pet on them and, and hang out and so little did he know uh, that that was the start of something very expensive for him. <laughs> uh, my parents don't come from um, equine or livestock type backgrounds. And they uh, uh, life took us to Laramie, Wyoming after those two years in Hawaii. That's and a big difference. It was a big difference and also probably made the situation worse on the equine front for me because it is horse country. So... From there, I uh, was taking, taken to a touristy type deal. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of this place was. It was like prairie rides or something like that in Laramie that you could go and, and uh, ride a horse on a trail. And 
they plopped me on. I was about five years old and I just, I took with it. I took, um, um, it was easy for me. I kind of just sat in the saddle and I felt at home. And the lady there said to my mom, you need to really get her into some lessons. I, she seems to really enjoy this and have some natural ability. Um, and that led to uh, a barn down the road from that place where they raised Arabians. And so long story short, I, a lot of my life was spent on Arabians and I started out in the English discipline. Uh, from there, I was doing 4-H and whatnot. Um, so I, I touched in both English and Western through 4-H and did some Arabian breed shows. Um, I uh, got into three-day eventing after that and uh, worked out of Mears Morgans in, in Laramie. Um, and from there, we, my junior year of high school, we moved to uh, Loveland, Colorado, and I started finding my passion more and more in starting young horses. Um, I was doing that on the side for some extra cash here and there while I was in high school, and I really enjoyed the foundation of creating the foundation for these horses, these um, any horse that could go on and do any of the disciplines. And so um, that's where I started landing. And uh, I don't want to go on too long with this, but now I'm more so in the cow horse world and yeah. I'm really enjoying that. And okay. So that's, that's a cool story. I, I always love to talk to people that are firmly like cemented in the horse industry now, but didn't necessarily grow up with like rodeo parents or show parents or, you know, parents that owned horses even. Um, cause I just think that's such a great message to send to people. Like you don't have to be born into it. You can make your own way. Absolutely. I, my, my mom jokes that I uh, was born with a hoof coming out first and that was no joke. Uh, luckily, my parents were amazingly supportive people, caught caught on to uh, my passion for it and really provided the opportunities growing up to be able to reach where I am now. And they've really formed their life around providing that for me. It's been a blessing. Oh, that's so important. Yeah, that's, that is a blessing to have supportive parents. And even if they're even if they don't know what they're getting into at first. <laughs> um, so you mentioned three-day eventing um, to cow horse. Talk about that shift a little bit. Are you are you sh currently showing cow horses? Is it something that you're aspiring to or working on or training horses for? But that's a that's also a big shift. That's as big a shift as moving from Hawaii to Laramie, kind of, right? Yes, there have been some extreme shifts in my equine career. And to be honest, the three-day eventing horse that I rode was kindly sold to me and was a very talented horse, much more talented than I was, really taught me a lot. I attribute a lot of my abilities, my riding abilities and skills to three-day eventing. Once we moved uh, and I wasn't working with my trainer as much anymore, my mare got a little bit older, I shifted just just because I, I was... Uh, not as active with her, I suppose, in a lack of a better description. I, I bought a two-year-old Palomino uh, quarter horse filly, and she really uh, gave me that desire of training young horses. I had done a handful of young horses myself growing up, but she was my first that I, I really dedicated that serious foundation and art of horsemanship to, and she really led the way into doing that for the public. 
And I just, I never looked back from there. The cow horse is fairly new to me. I have a small breeding program and I have a couple people that I am now starting to work with to help me do a little bit more in that world. I have competed a little bit, but I would like to be uh, more immersed and obviously get better. And I will be hopefully atop one of the horses that I have raised. That's going to be so satisfying. I think so. I think it's, it comes full circle and it, it, uh, means a lot more when you've been there from the beginning. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, that, that's a perfect segue. Let's talk a little bit about like your current personal life in terms of horses. So you have a little breeding program. Um, are you still, and we'll talk about your involvement with the CSU, um, colt starting program, but are you starting young horses on the side too? Are you still training at home? You guys have this vet clinic that you're running. Just tell me, tell me what's going on in your life right now with all these horses. My husband and I have always been very busy people and him being a large animal veterinarian, um, we really feed off each other in, I think, negative ways and create a lot of animals in our world. And this, I have a highbrow cat mare that was more or less handed over to me. And she really sparked my interest in the lines and the pedigree of what I could create that would align with cow horses. And she opened so many doors for me to uh, then start studying what studs I would I would use and cross on and create these, these foals. And I have been very carefully selecting what I would like to do. So I have three foals that I've created in my program so far and really need to see them through and have yeah. them prove my program one at a time. So I have a coming uh, three-year-old that's really going to do some some good work for me this next year in the cow horse pen. And we're going to really try and see if what I've been doing and what my husband have been doing on that front um, creates success. And um, I kind of strayed from your original question there, but no problem between. Yes, it's it's a lot back at home. I am still taking limited horses into our barn when I made the transition uh, from training at home to training for the CSU Legends of uh, Ranching program. Uh, I really didn't foresee a lot of time for me to dedicate back home, especially because I'm a mom to three children. And so when I do have time outside of CSU, it's going to be spent and dedicated to my children. So I have a couple outliers still at home, um, mainly part-time or groundwork for a month type situations, but my cult starting has, has really slowed down. Yeah, understandably so. And if you're listening right now thinking like, oh my gosh, uh, Alex, how are you balancing all these things? That's what I'm thinking also. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. You're superwoman. Um, oh, I, I wish I was. <laughs> I'd probably, yeah, right. If we had superpowers, it'd actually make things easier. But um, yeah. so you're, you're with CSU. And for those that aren't familiar, that's Colorado State University. That's that's your alma mater, your husband's and mine, actually. Um, yeah. what is, what's your current role there? What does it entail? And how did you find yourself there? Oh, this is a emotional story. I had a very non-traditional undergraduate experience. I, I'm a hard tradesperson worker by personality and my parents really had to encourage me to continue in academia. 
So I, I was a little bit late coming into CSU. I did two years at Front Range Community College first, and then I came up and I owned a few businesses on the side, equine businesses through college, um, and to keep me sane, I suppose. And um, it took me about four years to get through my, my undergraduate career, and uh, a lot of that was due to the horses and the businesses that I had going on the side, both financially and for my, my mental well-being. And I went through a couple very big life changes that weren't expected or positive and ended up meeting my husband a little bit after I graduated. And we stay very active in the CSU community and we were walking around uh, the Pickett Arena, which is one of our, our biggest arena here at the Equine Center. And the Colt class was going on at the time. Um, and my husband said, Alex, you're going to be that instructor one day. Oh, my gosh. And I said, there is, there is no way. There is no way I would ever be in my head um, in that position. That is just that, that's unattainable for me. And I, I left the arena thinking that that day, you know, I wasn't an A plus student. I, I didn't struggle through school. I just didn't uh, put my attention towards school like I should have. And I really thought that it, I just wouldn't achieve this. So we go, um, we go back home and we get engaged, we get married and uh, I get pregnant with my twin boys and CSU posts the job um, opportunity for the instructor position for the Legends of Ranching Colt starting. And it just was the wrong time for me. And I was, I was really sad. I thought someone is going to take this job and that's, that's going to be it. You know, I don't really, again, have a chance. And, uh, I had my, my twin boys and not too long after I had my daughter and, uh, we were about a year out of having my daughter and the job opportunity came up again. And I thought, this is no way, no way. And not thinking too much into it, I decided to go for it and thought that it was a long shot yet again. And I didn't have anything to lose. I had a thriving training business at home. Uh, I had a team at home that was very successful. Uh, I, I got to be with my children when I when I wanted to be. I was happy. It was a long three-month hiring process and entailed quite a bit. Um, they had me, uh, once I was accepted through the resume and uh, portion of, of things, I had a 20-minute online interview. And then after that, I had a final interview, obviously being accepted through all of these to the next step. That final interview entailed uh, a 45 minute lecture in the classroom on campus. And we would then drive to the equine center and I would do a 45 minute lecture with horses and students on saddling a young horse for the first time. I then had another 45 minute lecture on teaching a lesson. And then I had another 45 minute lecture on showing my riding abilities. And in between all that, we'd have little conferences and discussions uh, with various faculty and people that wanted to be involved and ask me questions. And it was about, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, but two weeks later that I got the call. And it was very surreal, very surreal for me. I 
things came full circle. The PhD equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science, and their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They're dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horse live their best life. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. Yeah, that I was just listening to your story, like when you said your husband, um, or was it fiance at the time, uh, yes. walked you through there and said, you're, you're going to be doing this. Like, I literally got chills when you said that, because what a like serendipitous, you know, event. And then, yeah, like you said, comes full circle. And oh my gosh, the, the emotional roller coaster, like through that probably was a lot. Um, but <laughs> what a great story. And so, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that. Um, what can you break down the legends of ranching program for us? Because I, I'm familiar with it, but I know a lot of people maybe outside of Colorado, especially aren't, but it's a very cool program. Can you talk about what that program is and what you do? Yes. And I probably won't even do it justice with my own words, but I will try. It is an absolute dream of a class to offer anywhere, much less at Colorado State University, who offers, in my opinion, the most elite cult starting class that you could apply for. And I, through the students, I believe from what I've heard that many of them have applied to CSU just to take this class, which is such an honor for me and an honor for so many here to, to have this at as an option. And the legends of ranching entails consigners, very, very elite consigners that have roots in raising American quarter horses and for generations. And we bring these selected horses from each ranch in for our program. Uh, it's, a, it's a very elite process. Not just anybody can consign a horse to our program. So we take these young horses who range from yearlings to three-year-olds, and we have our students start from the ground up with them. These students in the prior spring to our fall class, when it starts, have to take a riding evaluation to prove a level of skill to be able to come into the colt class and be able to ride young horses. Once those students are selected and passed into the class, they, they come into my colt starting class and we go on our way. This year, we have 16 students and I believe we just got another colt in yesterday. Um, which will make, I think, 20 young horses that we have in our program. Oh, wow. More horses than students. I do, thankfully, because horses are horses. And exactly. you know, we might need one to step in. <laughs> right. That's great. So uh, it's these students, they they come from all different backgrounds. Um, some, some were raised uh, similar to me, where they were mainly English-based and and do uh, three-day eventing or the hunter jumpers. I have students who um, are in polo and do a lot of uh, polo type discipline stuff. Um, and, and then I do have my, my more ranch horse, um, Western riding students coming in. And uh, all of these 
different disciplines and backgrounds are so fun to work work with because no matter where you where you come from and where you go, the foundation offered in teaching the art of good horsemanship, you take that with you no matter where you go. We this year have about half the students that we normally take. They're um, the Legends of Ranching program went through a few phenomenal changes. And so we are coming back and trying some new things. We are now, um, so from we went from about 30 students to 16. And we, my sections each day, I have three. Um, and I shouldn't say each day, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. I have about an hour and 40 minutes uh, for section one, two, and three. I have seven students in the first section, four in the middle, and five in my last. And from the first day we started, these students, they seek this class through their days. And they might have a hard exam coming up or a hard exam that they came from. And this is their time to just be with the horses and and let all of that go. And I find that it becomes so much more about teaching students how to start a young horse. It really grounds them in life and they get to learn so many things that they can take with them, whether or not they leave wanting to be a colt starter per se. You don't have to leave being a colt starter. You can leave and be a vet tech who knows how to handle horses and have exemplary skills to show for it. Um, and uh, we have seven months with these colts. We will take them and a lot of them are not even halter broke, much less touched since maybe a weanling age. And we go from getting them comfortable to be handled all the way into riding. And in April, they my students get to debut in a student competition with their young horse. And after the student competition, we get our young horses ready for a sale. And our sales called the Legends of Ranching um, sale that is right after the student competition and went where you and and the audience gets to purchase a young horse that you've either been following or meet that day. And it all comes together uh, for these students. In the spring, there, there's a sales and prep class that's offered and those those students end up putting on putting on the sale for the horse training students. And that's actually what I did in undergrad. I did not do the cold starting class. I did the sales and prep class and that's where I was very, became very passionate for the program. So there's, oh, there's a separate class to learn like sale fitting and all of that stuff um, outside of the cold starting class. There is. So within cool. the cold starting class, stable management and sales prep is there but there is an additional class in the spring offered to create and develop the wholesale. Okay. That's very neat. And, um, like you, like you said, this is such a cool class and program to be offered at the university level. I was a teacher for 10 years and, and getting like hands-on experience outside the classroom and any, anything, any subject that you're doing, um, is so valuable. And like you said, I can only imagine that these young adults like look forward to this class all day, all week. It helps them learn skills that they're going to apply in other areas and, and just what a great opportunity. Um, how, so the, the program, you know, brings in these horses from outside ranches. What other kind of like community involvement do you see with the CSU Legends of Ranching program and, 
and the, the surrounding community? That's, that's a very good question. I, I'm going to kind of change that and say that my students are encouraged to have that outreach and have that, um, that ability to bring in the community for uh, the vision of Legends of Ranching. And it's, it is a, um, it's student driven. And so having them take on that role of involving even other classes here at the equine center or clubs is very, very important to me. I was handed a little bit uh, the coaching position for the ranch horse uh, team here at CSU okay. and immediately following um, they needed some volunteer work for an upcoming show that we are going to be hosting. And I went to my LOR students and I, I said, okay, what can we do? And immediately I have three students spending the weekend volunteering their time for the ranch horse team. On top of that, through my establishment with my businesses, I brought in a lot of connections that periodically need help. So something kind of unique is there is a show coming up um, here in Fort Collins and one of my clients needs a little help holding her horse, reading patterns, uh, grooming, um, running little errands. And I go to my colt starting class and I say, hey, who can, who can give up some time to go and help uh, Haley at her show this weekend? And by doing that, that networks for them and networks for our program and really gives us gives that community involvement where my students are going out there and providing their time and that is exponentially valuable for them showing their faces talking about the legends of ranching program inviting people to be involved in it whether that be a sponsor or just come to the sale or the student competition come see us in class training horses uh, we are going to be bringing in lots of clinicians who wants to come in and support uh, a clinician coming in while you're getting value out of the teaching as well. So through the classes here offered at CSU where I can involve my students in other classes and other classes can be involved in ours, I, I feel that that is so important in the horse industry. And so a fun example would be Dr. Hess here at CSU teaches um, nutrition and disease. And one of the one of the fun labs they get to do is come in and pick up some, I don't know if this is a double negative, uh, clean poop off of the floor of our cold pens. And they get to go in with a microscope and do a, a fecal egg count and learn how to do a fecal egg count efficiently and learn about types of of worms and whatnot, you know, a good uh, deworming schedule. And we can involve having the Colts here in that class, uh, just as an example for how we can share classes and, and really create a, a good environment for everybody to learn from these Colts and not just my students. That's perfect. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's so awesome. And, and just valuable for everybody involved. Um, what a great program. So I think just to, to kind of uh, wrap up a little bit because you have such valuable insight and knowledge um, with your experience in the horse industry and your current role. Like what, what advice do you have for someone who's new to the industry? They're looking to get started, um, maybe get their first horse or take their first lessons. And, and they're just anxious and unsure because it, it can be a hard industry to break into. What would you tell that person? 
Oh, there's so many things I would say. One is make the decision and take the leap. Uh, no matter you feel prepared or if you feel unsure, just make just make it and go for it. And one of the aspects that I have found to be consistent for me and in my success, in my growth as a horsewoman is resilience. Not everybody is going to have the same opinion in the horse world. Not everybody is uh, on the same path and you are going to change paths multiple mm. times in your equine, um, uh, in your equine world, in your career. You might start out doing one thing and find out you like something different and to have the resilience to go through and make those decisions and make those changes and always reach out to um, faculty and staff here at Colorado State University through email or phone. We are all so happy to be resources in finding where we can help you find growth and success with your career. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. Just a, a university as a resource, I think is something a lot of people don't think about, but yeah, um, yeah you guys are there and, and you can just sure. find people's, you know, the, the CSU staff emails on, uh, online, if you're interested in that. Um, so Alex, where, where can folks kind of follow along if they're interested in the legends of ranching, uh, program, or they're interested in, in you and your journey, um, or the sale, where can they find you guys online or social media? These days? Yes. Social media is, is everything but uh besides uh the the university website linking you up with information and and kind of looping you to the legends of ranching program you can find the legends of ranching on instagram and on facebook and we're very active there this semester and you get frequent updates uh, i am also personally on instagram and facebook and if you would like to connect with me or, or learn more about what uh, was talked about today, I welcome um, the communication there. My, my email, my university email is also um, posted on the web, university website. You can, you can um, email me anywhere from, from there. Perfect. Well, Alex, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and I'm sure people are going to be really excited to hear about this program that weren't familiar with it before. And who knows if you're out there, you know, graduating in the, in the spring and you're looking for a university to attend, that's got a great cult starting program. <laughs> this is our, our plug for CSU. But, um, Absolutely. Uh, especially because I feel like everyone talking today is affiliated with CSU and, right. and our, our success is due to a lot of it. Exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us, and I hope you have a great day, and uh, thanks for your insight. Thank you, Devin. Once again, we'd like to thank Purina for sponsoring this episode of The Ride. Thank you guys for tuning into The Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. And if you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.